Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Let's just open up in prayer. I feel I feel like with all the clutter that we have that goes on on a Sunday morning, um, we just need to refocus sometimes. So that would just help me. So thank you, Father God. We just give you all the praise. We thank you. We worship you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to move in this place how you see fit. To speak through us. Anyone who would minister today for the offering, for the main message. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. We submit our lives to you. We sever the past. We forget all that has gone before us. Any emotions, any feelings, we just say, God, we're just pressing into you today. We don't care what we feel like. We don't care what it's looked like. We don't care how it's been. We don't ride valley to mountaintop, valley to mountaintop. We just ride as on wings as eagles. We soar high in your presence. We give you the glory and the majesty. We thank you for the victory that you provided for us. We thank you that we're soaring above the problems that we see. And we give you all the praise because Jesus paid the price for us to be sat down in heavenly places with full authority, with the keys to the kingdom, with the blood of Jesus, with the word of our testimony. We thank you so much. We thank you so much. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father God. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father God. Praise you. Elson, have you got a testimony or something to share? Please. Hallelujah. It's not a testimony as such, but it's just this, this past week, I've had time to reflect so much on what God has been doing in our lives. And I realize that sometimes when we strive for the finer things in life, the way that I kept getting as I was reading was these, these uh, things that we desire that God approves in our lives. But that's God's approval. But there is God's will in our lives, which is God's best. Sometimes our thoughts, our minds, our desires, we dwell on the things that we see, the things that sparkle to our senses, and we think that is the best things I want in life, not realizing that God wants the best for us. Just like what my wife shared earlier on in the prayers, she used a verse that says, creation awaits for the manifestation of the sons of God. 
And I found myself, like yesterday, driving back. There was a time when I thought the police were actually going to stop me on the motorway and pull me over and say, what's wrong? You, you, you seem to be just screaming and shouting at, uh, within yourself. Is someone upsetting you on the phone? No, it wasn't on the phone. I was just in prayer. I just got to a point where I was angry of being held back by the choices that we have made in life, which are not God's best, but which are what we have sought God to approve. But he approves because he loves us. And he still waits us to yield to his will where we can receive God's best. I hope I'm making sense in what I'm saying. There's God's best. I realized I've been entangled in what I thought was good things, but no, they were not. God just approved those things to happen. But there's something bigger that keeps coming in the word of prophecy. And as I was praying, I got angry at even sickness to say, why should my family be tormented by sickness? Why should we be held financially? I got to a point where I was praying, shouting and screaming and casting all those strongholds down. And Thank God there were no cars around me at that time. I was just by myself. And there's this, or just one vox or one pass. I thought, that must be the police. They're going to pull me over. Then I looked at thought. Then I noticed, no, it's just an elderly couple that are just going faster than me. I said, thank God they've discovered speed. But I'm getting there to Manchester. And when I get to Manchester, when I get to Preston, I'm going to pray with my family. I want to cast down the altars of the enemy. I want to cast down even those that people have spoken into our lives. You know, people speak into your life sometimes. You just accept it because you want to be accepted. But they speak certain things that become strongholds in your life. And later on, those things hold you back. We have had, we have had sicknesses. There have been times when my wife recently was to went for a checkup in the clinic of a condition that she has been going through. And then, while she was there, the doctor said, there's nothing, I can't see anything. There's nothing, everything is clear, everything is fine. And then when she was speaking to me, she was disappointed that the doctors cannot get to the point of it. But on the other end, I was rejoicing that thank God the professionals are getting confused about it. Because when... This is how you discover that certain things are spiritual. You go to the doctor, the doctor sees nothing. You go back home and the thing keeps happening. And you think, why am I being so tormented? The books that I would recommend to those of us here, even to those, on the, to those that are listening, there is a book by a man of God, Smith Wigglesworth, Ever-Increasing Faith. That was the book that I was listening to on the motorway, and I got so angry realizing that the devil holds you back in certain covenants you know or you don't know. But you are not supposed to be held back because you are put here on earth to prosper, to thrive, to dominate. So that's, that's that. every time I, I've listened to that book before, and I got so, one day I got home angry at my wife having headaches. And I prayed over her, and they stopped. Then I realized there is power in what you listen to, what you feed your soul, what you feed your mind, what you feed your heart. The more you feed on the word of God, on texts that increase your faith, you find you now 
possess this power, this authority to deal with principalities and powers. We are not supposed to be dominated. We are the dominant ones because Christ lives in us. Can I just make some declarations with us here? I decree and I declare that sickness shall not dominate us. Even to those that are listening online, I decree and I declare that in your life, sickness shall not dominate you. As we are speaking right now, know that there is a word that has authority and power over all principalities and powers. And the name we have is the name of Jesus. Every situation in your body, in your condition, in your finances, speak Jesus into it. And you find the strongholds come tumbling down. I decree and I declare that your finances will be in order from this day forth. Because Jesus is alive. I felt a release yesterday as I was coming home. I don't know where I even got the energy. When I go to some services, I was just in this. Because it's freezing down there more than here. I don't know why, but it's supposed to be more colder in the north than down south in Gloucester. And then he asked me, he says, are you not freezing in that? I said, well, I'm enjoying the fresh air. <laughs> Maybe it was the heat of the Holy Ghost at that time. And I couldn't feel. I just needed the fresh air. And I just went in, used the services, then came out and... God is faithful. God is faithful. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for the opportunity to share. For God is faithful. Let us not be dominated by the enemy. We are the dominant ones. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's, it's good when you um, start to release people and give them a microphone and they've got something. There's nothing worse than giving a microphone to somebody and they go, ah, ah. So it's good to see when people have something on the inside of them that is wanting to come out. And that's the whole point. If you go to, um, I want to add to what Elson was talking about in 2 Corinthians. I'll make sure it's 2 Corinthians before I get there. Because I always get this one wrong. I don't have my King James Bible, so I'm going to take time and find this properly. Just give me a second. Hallelujah. should know this one and you're going you're gonna to go you, you, I'm not convinced that you're a qualified pastor if you don't know this where this is but I can never get it right 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 I always think it's in chapter 4 for some reason or chapter 10 sorry I'm doing well today I don't even know if I'm, I'm, I'm in the right place here hang on a sec yes I'm going to read it in the King James because the NLT is just going to probably butcher it. Chapter 10, verse 3 in Second Corinthians says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, you've got to be careful with that word strongholds. There's been misinterpretations of that, and, and you start to start looking at um, principalities over cities, principalities over regions, and things like that. And, and there, there are principalities. Ephesians talks about the different levels of demonic authority. Some of them have every right to be there. Some of them we cannot pull down. For example, the German people allowed Hitler to rule their nation. There could have been Christians in that country. And in fact, let me go even deeper with this. The Pentecostal movement hit the world in, what, 1900 and something. And as it started to sweep across the world, America really bought into it. There was revivals all over the world. But yet in Europe, they resisted the Pentecostal movement. They decried it as the devil. They said it wasn't right. And many people would think or have theorized that this resistance to the move of the Holy Spirit from the church, not from, you understand when I say resistance from the people, it's from the church, that it opened up the door for two massive world wars because Pentecost didn't sweep through Europe in the same way that it swept through other areas because there was a stronghold of religion that wasn't allowed to be pulled down by the people that were involved. So therefore that stronghold remained and it allowed other strongholds, i.e. Hitler, um, all the stuff that went on in all those wars, it allowed those things to be built up and remain. There's strongholds in cities that are allowed to be there, territorial spirits, as we talk, could talk about. So, for example, I said this the other day, and I've heard this said before, the best way to kind of change a, uh, an area is obviously preach the gospel. Second best way is to buy land. If you're a Christian and you buy land, no d devil has any right to be on your land. You take authority over it. You've got a bloodline. So you're, you're actually increasing the kingdom of God spiritually by possessing the land. Why do you think God spent so much time with Abraham and the Israelite people to possess the land? Because by possessing the land, they actually removed the enemy. The reason the Israelites didn't succeed in Israel and they needed a king and they've had so many battles is they didn't destroy the enemy and eradicate them. We, we have an issue with genocide, and we don't like genocide, but God was effectively telling the Israelites to wipe out nations, to wipe out tribes. Why? Because there were spiritual implications to them allowing those tribes to live and to reign in that place. So as they allowed those tribes to re remain, those demonic influences started to permeate and come down into their children. So to the point where there were times where Israelites were sacrificing their own children to foreign gods. There was times where Israelites were eating their own children because of drought. And, and, and that isn't the inheritance of the kingdom of God, is it? I mean, we don't, we, it, it escapes our mind. I really hope that wasn't one of our children. We will continue our sermon in a few minutes. Just give us a second.
We saw it. Today has been a fun day. <laughs> just wait and see if there's anything. Just wait and see if uh, this is the problem with having not having your own building. It, you, things happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It might have been a fire test or something. Praise you, Father God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus, 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 Jesus. We give you all the glory. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Well, praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Just uh, something faulty on the uh, fire alarm system in, in the building. Hallelujah. This is just another reason we can release our faith for our own place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I'll just wait till give it another few minutes just to make sure. If we can just pray in the Holy Ghost while you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father God. Well, if you're watching online, this is uh, called entertainment. Hallelujah. You never know what's going to happen. We all good? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father God. Well, thank you, Father. We, we thank you for, for where we are in this hotel. I just pray for the staff. Bless them. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let me try and get back onto the train of thought that I was on. This will make for an interesting podcast later this week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise you, Father God. Praise you, Father God. Praise you, Father God. Praise Baba Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, all the praise. We magnify you. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your 
precious, precious believers, the saints, people who are watching from home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'll try and continue on my, my train of thought and go back to where we were. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what I was talking about was really teaching into this idea that um, territorial spirits and territorial places sometimes have a right to be there. So we're not meant to start to try and tear down something in the spirit realm without prayer, without authority, without being in a place where we're preaching the gospel. Because if people reject the gospel, they have every right to re reject the gospel as well as getting down to. But what it says in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, casting down imaginations. So the link of strongholds is actually talking about casting down imaginations and every high thing that it exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when there's a perceived stronghold in your life, like Elson was talking about, where you feel like you're going up against something, and you're going up against um, a spiritual attack or whatever, you have full authority to deal with that spiritual attack. But what you've got to be very careful of, eh? Hallelujah. <laughs> Either I'm talking about something really touchy. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you understand that when you deal with the enemy, you can deal with him in your full authority and deal with him. Resist the devil and he will flee. The problem comes not so much that you have some demonic attack that just kind of circles back and has a bigger sword next time. The problem comes is when the thought comes. When you take authority over something in the spirit realm, you have dealt with it. But what does the parable of the sower teach us? That Satan comes immediately to steal the word. And the way he comes immediately to steal the word from your life is once you've done your spiritual faith act, because faith is action, you're acting out what your faith has got on the inside of you, you start to work it out. Faith without works is dead. So if you don't act on your faith, it's you've got to do something. And so when you deal with the spirit, uh, a spirit or you deal with some enemy attack or you deal with something that's going on spiritually in your life, once that's dealt with, your faith has been released and then you don't look at the circumstances to see whether it's changed but what will happen is a thought will come I that didn't work I'm sure Elson probably could testify at the same time that what he did was dealt with spiritually but the next morning or the day after the thought may well have come did it actually work 
whether whether he's telling the truth, whether he, he's had that happen yet, I'm sure there'll be a moment that the thought will come. And if the thought comes and you accept that thought and you dwell on that thought, that's when you're going to get into serious difficulties and you're going to operate with a stronghold of your mind, which is far stronger than any demonic stronghold over a city. The stronghold over the city or the stronghold of the region or someone's house has a right to be there generally because that person has allowed or that city, that region has allowed that area to have that stronghold. The prince of Persia uh, or, you know, of Babylon and all these kind of different kind of stronghold things like that. Now, they don't affect me and you as a believer because we walk through it. We, we, we're, we're not actually dealing with strongholds in the natural we're not dealing with strongholds over cities because we, we don't live in that area. We're, where are we? we're raised up in heavenly places. We, we're actually sat beside Heavenly Father. No, every demonic spirit, no matter how high they are and how powerful they are over a city, we're over top of them, aren't we? They're under our feet. We have a, a mindset in, in, in Christianity that we've actually got to put him under our feet. We've actually got to take the devil off of that citadel and put him under our feet and squash him down. But really, we have authority because we're above them. In fact, some people have, have actually said over uh, 9-11 in the Twin Towers that there were many people who saw before it ever happened two massive demonic dragon-type images of people on top of those Twin Towers. They had visions of it beforehand. Now you argue and say, well, why didn't they deal with it? Maybe they had no authority to deal with it. I don't know. Maybe they needed to do it and they never dealt with it. And that's why we had the situation we had because none of the Christians dealt with what God had revealed them to them. I don't know. I can't analyze it. But the, the, the devil is moving in these supernatural ways in, these, in the invisible realm. And it's not nice. It's not, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But if we allow ourselves to have mental strongholds built up on our, because of our thought life and we take a hold of them, that is the way in for the enemy into your life. In the world, they call it a mindset change. You have to change your mindset to prosper. You have to change your mindset to, to, to make your business grow. You have to change your thinking. There is a much more um, strength or understanding in the spiritual realm when you can learn how to adjust your mindset, when you can change your mind, when you can cast down imaginations and any high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience, what does it say, to the obedience of Christ. We're dealing with thoughts that come that are trying to take over and put under control our mind. And what is our mind? Our mind is the mind of Christ. Christ, that word Christ means the anointed one. So if you have the anointed one, if you have the mind of the anointed one, you have the mind of the anointing. And the anointing in, on your mind, the mind of Christ, the mind of your anointing, is, of, of the anointing on your mind, means there's a, a power within your thinking and within your ability to, to deal with your thoughts and into your ability to talk and into your ability to release faith that actually is burden-removing, yoke-destroying. That's what the anointing is, burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. So the anointing that's on your mind 
enables you to speak correctly because your mind is lining up with your heart, your mind is lining up with your word or the word. And the more word in and the more word out, the more word in and the more word out enables you to speak with authority backed by the anointing of God. So any thought, any captivity, any stronghold that the enemy is trying to get to you, once you've dealt with it, once you've dealt with the situation, once you've, you've like, I, I know every single one of us can say that we've had issues. We've had issues in our lives and spiritually we needed to deal with them. We needed to take authority of them. And we think, great, we've done that. Great, it's worked. We've released our faith. And then two months later, the same problem comes again. Or the same situation manifests and the same, the same enemy tactic comes to cross our path. Well, did it work in the first place or did it not work? People in faith stay in faith. But people who waver, double-minded men never receive anything of God. So the devil can trick you to thinking that, oh, well, okay, great, you've dealt with me now. Let's see if you, if, if, if you still got that faith in two months. Let's see if you still got that, that ability to, to stand the storm if I throw the exact same problem across your path. Many people, I think Brother Hagen talks a lot about it. I think there was one lady, in fact, if I can remember the story correctly, the one lady who received her hearing. She was completely opened her ears. She could hear in the, one of the meetings. Six months later, she was stone cold deaf again. Because what happened was she went back into her own family and her family said, oh, I don't believe that. How can you, how can you hear? How is that possible? She was hearing. It was possible. It happened. But they actually talked her back into the, uh, the suffering that she was living under six months ago. She, they talked her back into believing the lie of the devil that she was deaf. So as believers, not only do we have to deal with the devil, like Elson was saying, deal with him. I'm, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't ever not deal with him. <laughs> always push through. Always, always get angry. Get, I, I, I think I would like to listen to that book on audiobook. I'm, there's something about audiobooks that I haven't delved into that I think I need to. Elson keeps uh, sending me uh, ideas and thoughts on, on what to listen to. But Smith Wigglesworth had that revelation of absolute, complete dominance. And you know, it wasn't really, I think it was quite a simple thing that he got the revelation. I think he had hemorrhoids. And that was it. It wasn't like he like, saw his leg grew back, he dealt with cancer or anything like that. He, he literally just had an issue with hemorrhoids that he eventually believed God for, got healed from it and had a revelation and took that revelation all over the world to the point that he raised at least 10, 10 people from the dead ever-increasing faith. Our faith should be going from strength to strength to strength to strength. And that's going to come from understanding that our weapons, they're not carnal. They're not, if, if we're dealing with faith like Preston, if we're dealing with our lives in a fleshly sense, me and Nelson could have a fight and I might be lucky and clock him one, but generally he's probably going to beat me up. Because in the natural, he's far more experienced at dealing with crazy people than I am. And he would floor me. 
So in the natural, me and him, but me, me and him doing, say, I don't know, playing a certain sport or playing a certain game, I could have a huge uh, edge on him because I'm experienced and I know how to play that game or I know how to do that. And I, I just th go, go f far faster than him ever because there's a different level. There's, there's that mental capacity that I might have in a certain area. Spiritually speaking, thank God we're equal because we're brothers and sisters. We're brothers in Christ, in the anointing. So casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all... Oh, this is good. That's good. Having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. Being ready to make sure that any disobedient thought that comes you tear it down. You deal with it. Those thoughts could be, I'm tired. That's one of the, my personal things that I struggle, have struggled with over my life the most is saying, I'm tired. My dad used to be tired all the time. I feel tired all the time because I keep saying I'm tired all the time. But that's something that I am constantly battling and I have to say, I've got the joy of the Lord, which is my strength, and I can achieve all things through Him. I have to train my mindset to never allow my mind to dominate my physical body or my actions just as much as anyone else has to. There'll be things in your life that you have to deal with. Personal things. Personal mentalities that you have. I was listening to a podcast this week and he said rich people think differently than poor people. I don't want to go into a huge thing on this but he said if you're thinking about some money that you want to say you want to have an increase of 10,000 pounds a month in your life. You want to have 10,000 pounds a month. Most of us would say wow that's, that's a lot of money. That's a massive increase in our life. And some of you might, might try and be finickety with me or try and be uh, cocky with me and say, well, actually, it's not a lot of money for us. It, uh, you know what? I, I, could, I can believe God for an extra 10,000 pound a month. Well, I'm look, waiting for your tithe check. So if, you, if, you, if you're believing for it, great. But my point being is most of us in this room, even if you think that you think that it's not much money, most of us would say, that it's a lot of money. Most of us would say that 10,000 pound extra a month would be a lot extra money. Well, you know how rich people would say? They would say this, it's only an extra 10,000 pounds. Do you catch the difference? The mindset is it's only 10,000 pounds. If you are thinking that 10,000 pounds is a lot of money, it's going to be very difficult for you to believe God for an extra 10,000 pounds. But if you're thinking, oh, it's only 10,000 pounds, 20,000 pounds extra a month, it's only 20,000 pounds extra, 100,000 pounds, it's only because the mentality of rich people is it's only money. I can make more of it if I lose all of it. The amount of multimillionaires that have lost all their money and then gained it all back again in a very short period of time. Because you know, failure to do something is not failure to do something. It should be learning that that doesn't work, so I'm going to do something different. Most Christians try once, 
try twice and then give up. Most people, I might even say, most poor people basically never try. It's like uh, when money comes in on payday, it's not actually payday, it's transfer day. I'm going to just transfer all my money to somebody else. And I know we've all felt that, and I, I'm stretching myself in these areas as well. But if I think that 10,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds is a lot of money, I'm never going to go to get that higher. Mindset change, casting down strongholds, requires us to think bigger than what we actually already think. We need to think, oh, well, it's, if we, let's, let's change that from money to seeing this church grow. 50 people, an extra 20 people is a lot of people. An extra 50 people is a lot of people. This church would radically transform if there's 50 people in it. Extra 50 people. You know what? It's only 50 people. It's only an extra 50 people. Only an extra 100 people. It's God. He builds the house. We're just laboring. You know, yesterday, uh, the, the outreach that we did yesterday, Holly did an amazing job. That really actually, I, I was surprised how, not surprised at how well she did. I knew she'd do well because her confidence on doing that just blows me away. And like, I was nervous to press play on the, on the Christmas carols. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to, I don't want to cause disturbance to the peace. But when Holly got singing, this, the atmosphere changed. And in fact, there wasn't anyone else who was, it, it, I, we, one thing that we did realize yesterday, which was, I thought was really interesting, and I can see why Holly and Robert especially are very confident on the, the evangelism front. There's a lot of evangelism that goes on in the city of Preston on a Saturday. We keep bumping into people that were just like, oh yeah, we're out doing this for this church, or we're out doing this for that church. And there was somebody preaching on the street with a microphone. There. So Holly's, Holly preach, um, singing songs, whereas I go in Southport and you do that, and everyone Everyone's like, oh my gosh, somebody's, I've seen, I've seen people try it and everyone's like cringing and blah, because no one does it very often. It's not a regular occurrence. So the confidence that Holly brought created an atmosphere that was just, uh, it was just peaceful, wasn't it? To the point where, I, I don't know if I agree with this or not, that my son was doing yo-yo tricks and getting paid for it. As a busker on the side street, he just was doing yoga, people chucking him money. But there was something that happened because of the confidence that we had there that we just carried a sense of peace, sense of uh, just a wonderful sense of just, and we had some good conversations. But what I learned from that, Louise had a conversation with an agnostic, which she was thoroughly thrilled about. <laughs> I had a conversation with another guy who was heavily educated, knew the Bible better than I did, really, but not interested. It's that we, we're starting to learn our, our city. And so I thank you, Holly, especially you for pushing us to do that. Christina, you know, for some reason, Christina is anointed to hand out leaflets. Frankie was like, why? Why can't I get... Christina keeps giving all these leaflets out. And Frankie was like, I can't give a single one away. So Christina was like, boom, 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 boom. But we're, we're, by us doing those, these little tiny outreaches and things like that, and when I say tiny, it's only a small group of people going. But really, we've got to think, well, it's only another 50 people that need to come. It's only another 100 people that need to come. It's only another 200 people. And quickly, we're only at 1,000 people. 
But if we're constantly thinking, oh my gosh, there's, there's more seats than there are people. If we're constantly thinking it's too hard. If we're constantly thinking it's, it's going to be difficult. If we're constantly looking at the lack. I said this in the morning in the prayer, and I, I'm repeating this for the broadcast sense, that Adam and Eve were put into the Garden of Eden fully provided for. There was gold lying on the ground. Fully provided, full abundance. And yet they fell because they looked at the one thing they couldn't have. They looked at their lack. They didn't look at their abundance. You and I, if we focus on our lack and miss out on our abundance, we too will fall. It's only a thousand people extra. There's only 500 extra. There's only 50 extra people that need to come and it will radically change this church's footprint on this earth. We're going to, I think I'll say this now, is we're really going to focus on prayer in the next few months. Because I want to do outreaches, but I want to do outreaches backed and prepared. I think yesterday opened my eyes that we can do it. Not that I doubted us. You understand, it's just, it's nervous for me. For me, being British born, seeing people on the streets preaching and decreeing hellfire and damnation, and you just cringe as a Christian that you don't like people doing it. So we have to do it well. But I want to spend the next few months really pushing into prayer to figure out and how we go and do the next steps that we need to do so that evangelism becomes a second nature thing. You know how you master something? What mastery means? If you master a skill, it becomes like, it's, it, you, it's like breathing. You don't think about breathing. If you master a skill in, in your job workplace, you don't even think about it. And in fact, many people get bored in their job because they, the job's so easy that they've mastered it so quickly and then they just plod for the rest of their life and be miserable because they're not actually going on and learning new skills. But when we master communicating the gospel, when we do it on the streets, when we master it on a Sunday morning, when we master it on a, in a weekday, when we learn how to pray to the point where we're really getting somewhere. And it's not about feelings. You don't pray till you feel like you've got somewhere. You pray until the release of the Holy Ghost comes. Travail, intercession. I know I'm all over the place today, but I'm just throwing you little nuggets, I think, more than anything. The prayer, prayers of the saints that press in to see victory. I, I wonder sometimes if we just scratch the surface. And there's some of you here in, um, that pray far more than I pray. And you press in and you, you learn. Just because you may pray more than somebody else doesn't mean that God has a lesser responsibility because you, you, you may pray eight hours a day and God's saying pray nine. Someone might be praying for 15 minutes and God's saying, pray for half an hour. It's a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's a, it's a relationship-based thing. If it's about works and we all stand up in the line and I give a trophy to whoever prayed the most last week, that's not what God's looking for, is he? He's looking for relationship. But out of relationship will come obedience. And out of obedience will come skill. It will come wisdom. will come a, a, a progressing into the deeper things of God. 
Our obedience to his word will, opens up the blessing of God. Our obedience to his word opens up the things of God for our lives. Casting down every thought doesn't mean you remove your thoughts. It means you cast it down and fill it with something else. If, have you ever watched a TV show and you've, you've loved that TV show and it's amazing? I might be the only one in the room who does this, so just go with me. Get so hooked up with it. And if I'm not careful, if I get hooked up with something, I'll be waking up in the middle of the night dreaming about it, you know, because that's the kind of person I am. But you, you're so obsessed with this TV show, and then it ends. Do you, generally, you don't watch that TV show again. What you tend to do is go find something else to watch. And then you get obsessed with that. And then that ends. And then you, and it's funny because I was brought up very much that Jesus Christ was coming, coming by 1997. So every TV show, I, there used to be a prayer of mine that says, I really be, I believe in God for that they will make a film about Lord of the Rings so that I could see Lord of the Rings and then Jesus can come back. And then the first one came up and I thought, God, I really hope Jesus doesn't come back until seeing all three films of the Lord of the Rings. I mean, I know it's sad, but it's just my carnal nature getting it. Star Wars, I, I hope we see all the, all the other films that they can do and things because I love that kind of stuff. I just enjoy it. But my point being was when something ends, you don't just stop. You go and look to fill it up with something else. So if you take something from the enemy, a thought, and you cast it down, there's an empty slot in your brain that if you don't fill it up with the right thing, that stronghold will just kind of regrow. You pull the stronghold out of your mind. You tear it down with, and get the roots of it out and change your mindset, but fill your mind up with what you need from the Word of God because it's the Word of God that will produce the roots that stick and stay and create a correct stronghold in your mind. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I've always seen that as pillars. You know, with Samson pushed the pillars down and the whole building collapsed. You start tearing down pillars and mindsets that the enemies put down there. The whole structure that he's trying to keep you under in your mind, in your being, in, in who you are. It just falls down and you start building up new strongholds. You start building up new pillars based on the Word of God. We're building our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Aren't we? Hallelujah. Be quick to renew your mind. Let's just, I'm going to, I'm not going to keep going much longer. But let's just finish on Romans chapter 12 before Veronica comes up and gives us a, an opportunity to give. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect that you prove the will of God for your life see mind changing 
mindset renewal, thinking adjustments is actually going to align yourself up far more than all your declarations, all your time of prayer. You can pray. You can pray for hours and not change your mind. You can see revival fall down in a church. You could see revival. There's been people who have prayed revival down on their deathbed. They, they prayed so much, that, but they were sick and full of cancer. They, but they prayed revival into cities, but they died because they were sick, because they did not know how to change their mind based on the Word of God concerning healing and health. There are people who are very, very wealthy in the things of God. They've got money flowing out of their ears because they've learned how to develop mastery of business and mastery of skills, but they're sick in their body because they don't know how to adjust their mindset concerning healing. Renewing of your mind that you might prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. That you might prove what the perfect will of God is for your life by renewing your mind, not being conformed to this world. What does that mean? Not being conformed to this world simply means be conformed to the word of the living God. And to thank God we can add in, be led by the Spirit of God at the same time. It's, it's the same letter that he said that, that you are children of God, so therefore you need to be led of the Spirit of God. Be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mindset will enable you to grow your mindset will ena enable you to fail. But if you don't change your mind and change your thinking, you can declare all you want, tear down as many strongholds that you want, you can attack sickness and disease in your life. But if you don't have the strength of willpower to resist the enemy when he comes, the spiritual authority that you've already used gets reversed. Because your mind will side with your flesh. And when you've got two or three gathered in, in a, agreement, that's what's going to happen. That's why you're a triune being. If you were a four-part being, there'd be a lot of arguments. Your mind and your, 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 your flesh might agree and your spirit and whatever other spiritual thing might agree. And you're just fighting all the time. This is why you're a triune being. If your spirit man dominates and your mind lines up with your spirit man, your flesh will always come into 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 submission you flip it around mind and body crushes your spirit your spirit man just shrivels back into says well i haven't got a voice here be spirit dominated and renew your mind to line up with what's on the inside of you and you will not fail